Hi, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Fires of Heaven, book five, please proceed with caution. Egwene made ready to go, but first she had a question. Maureen, why have you started doing everything Rand tells you to? Even Nynaeve doesn't think it's right. She does not, does she? Maureen murmured. She will be an Aes Sedai yet, whatever she wishes. Why? Because I remembered how to control Sidar. After a moment, Egwene nodded. To control Sidar, first you had to surrender to it. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss chapters 15 through 19 of The Fires of Heaven. Note, I have not read past chapter 19, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Fires of Heaven or the next nine books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 19, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Warning, this episode will contain discussion of sexual assault that may be troubling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter summaries, as always, from DragonMount.com. Nynaeve and Egwene visit the Amerlin study in Teleron Riyadh and learn that Evlida has been raised Amerlin and wants Moraine arrested. They receive a partial clue to the Blue's whereabouts. Egwene wakes and informs Moraine about the warrant and the tower splitting. Nynaeve and Elaine discuss how to find the Blues, then run into Elaine's half-brother Galad. Elaine, convinced that Galad will turn them into the White Cloaks, suggests that they hide among Valen Luca's traveling show. Elaine and Nynaeve sneak out of their inn and approach Val and Luca about being the show's patrons. They meet a Sean Chan Sredit tainer named Sarandon among the performers. In Amador, Leandrin and the other Black Aja are visited by Moganine, who sends some of them away on errands and sets the rest hunting for Nynaeve. Guardsman Lieutenant Talonvor informs Morgays of a rebellion in the Two Rivers. Morgays confronts Gabriel over the news and is sent away. She finds herself visiting Lini, her and Elaine's old nursemaid, who reveals to a stunned Morgaze that all of her allies has been exiled on her own orders. Morgaze realizes that Gabriel has replaced all of her loyal soldiers with his own and sets out to find Gareth Bryn. Padden Fane retrieves the Shatter Logoth dagger from the White Tower. He is confronted by Alviarin, Keeper of the Chronicles and Black Aja, and bluffs his way free. Okay. Normally, Dragon Mount summaries are pretty descriptive. However, this time they missed out on something that I can understand them not wanting to touch as just like book summaries, but uh, we kind of have to talk about it. And this is where the warning at the beginning of our episode comes in. Yep. We're not going to talk about it the whole time. No. Because, I, I mean, like, I'm certainly not qualified to talk about it. No. I've never been sexually assaulted. Neither have I. So. We're just going to we're, we're gonna acknowledge it and talk about it a little bit. We're going to get past it. But this section opens with Nynaeve in entering Teleron Riyadh to do some snooping in the tower, meeting up with Egwene. And it's not that far after meeting with the Wise Ones. And Egwene... Um, in an effort to demonstrate to Nynaeve how dangerous the dream world can be, which... It, it is dangerous. It's, it's dangerous, she summons two, like, burly dudes that are, like, menacing. Yeah, they're menacing, and they grab Nynaeve. Which is and, scary in and of itself. Yep. Could have stopped there. One of them has a knife. No, they don't have knives. They're just 
I, I guess, like sort of demonic figures that Elaine is, or Egwene is imagining. And one of them, like, rips Nynaeve's dress open. Yeah. In a, you know, sexually aggressive way. And looks like he's about to continue to do more things. Yikes, Egwene. Yeah. Like, there... that just, that was unnecessary. It was completely unnecessary. I don't even, like, it's unnecessary Egwene. It's kind of unnecessary Robert Jordan. Yep. Like, why? There is a thousand other ways that Egwene could have, I mean, summon, like, Trollocs to, like, right. grab on to Nynaeve and, and then let them go. Like, that's, like, it's it, traumatizing, but it's not a trauma that she hasn't already been right. exposed to at this point. Right, and like, even, like... There's always going to be an element of it, but like even like she, like she just Nynaeve was threatened with sexual violence, and not with ordinary stab you violence, and like not cool. No, it's like especially from someone who's supposed to be like a loved one. Right. Like it, it, I can understand. Like I, I don't like the whole, I don't like rape and sexual assault being a constant narrative in fantasy novels. It is. Yeah. That putting that aside, like if it was an actual evil character that was doing this, uh, yeah, like it, it, I would be like, I don't like it. We like Robin is an right. actual evil character doing this, right? Egwene's it's not, not some, evil. Egwene's not her supposed friend. to sympathize with Robin. In this scene, you are supposed to understand where Egwene is coming from, and it, like Jesus Christ, you missed the mark. Yeah, entirely. Because it like. Boy. Especially because Nynaeve has like nightmares after this too. Like she, yeah. she's still a like she's still but, asleep, but comes out of Teleron Riyadh and then continues to have nightmares the entire night. Which, like, yeah, that's fair. And this kind of ties into the whole. I think Egwene has been thinking her thinking too much of herself in this book. She's not an Aes Sedai. She's not a wise one. But she wants to be treated as if she's skipped all of the steps to become them. Yeah, and we get a little bit of that later, uh, right after our quote from this episode, when she's talking with Maureen, and she's like, Maureen was talking to me as an equal the entire time. Maybe I'm more ready to pick my Aja than I think. She's just like... And like, yes, her, her rate of growth is impressive, and she may not be terribly far off from being a full Aes Sedai, but she couldn't even comprehend why Maureen had made a switch, switch in tactics. And it, it makes sense. Right. We'll get to that. There is a lot of stuff in Teller and Riyadh first. Yeah. Just, that that we is had first. To get the, we had to get the yikes we out of the way. We had to get the yikes out of the way. Uh, and if you are fast forwarding through, this is probably a safe time to yeah. continue listening. So we pick up with Nynaeve. Really shitty thing happens to her. She sees Elida first. She's like yeah. walking through the tower and she sees Elida for a second as Amerlin. And then she disappears with a out weird of existence. Stole. She thinks she, that can't be Elida, or Elida can't be the Amaryllis. She's just dreaming because yeah, she has that's a soul she... that is missing a blue stripe. Right, and so she's like, that's, she's just having a dream, and like she kind of winks out of existence, and then she continues on. Bad thing happens. Egwene is a big old yikes. Yep, and they. I mean, Egwene's just like lecturing her and lecturing her, which like yeah. Like, we get it. You're more Fair. experienced here. But also, like, maybe don't do that. Um, anyway, the, the other side of this is that Nynaeve, and we noted this last section, Nynaeve needs to take a few chill pills. 
And now Egwene needs to take a whole chill pill bottle. Yeah, but Nynaeve, like, from the start in this, and, and, and though Egwene's reaction is just obscenely disproportionate. Yeah. Nynaeve basically is trying to berate Egwene the same way that she's been berating everybody. She's been trying to take charge. She's, she hasn't been treating anybody like equals. She knows better than everybody. But she doesn't know anything. Right. She's she's continuously in circumstances here where she is not in she's not in power, she's not in charge. She shouldn't be in charge because she either can't access the one power or doesn't know how to handle the situation. Right. And it really comes to a head in this section where, you know, she confronts Egwene who's like, "Uh-uh, hold on. I'm more knowledgeable about you about this stuff now. You don't get to boss me around like I'm a little girl." And Nynaeve is thinking that, like, I used to spank her. Yeah, and, like, feed her gross tea when she lied. and Right. And she thinks that maybe part of the reason she's feeling this unbalanced with Egwene is because she did did lie to Egwene earlier. So she admits that she did, in fact, drink the tea. And she thinks that maybe this will fix it, but it does not. It really doesn't. No. Like, Egwene's like, yeah, I already kind of figured. Like, you've never told me about that or before, so right. I assumed you were lying to save face. And then she gets out of Teller and Riyadh, and she's still kind of having this mental breakdown about what to do, and she's having it un- even until and through, kind of, they get to Val and Luca's menagerie. It's, yeah, she's starting to have this kind of mental break in which she's just trying to process everything now, and I think yeah. that she's going to grow from it, but, like, Who boy, is at it what rough cost? To, is it rough to watch? yeah. They do some snooping. They do some snooping. She attempts to do some snooping of Elida's office, and papers keep disappearing while she's trying to read them. And They haven't been around in the real world for long enough to be fixtures of Teller and Riyadh. Is that kind of why? Yeah, and that's that's even when, okay. when she tries to go to the Amarillin's office, she can't. she finds she can't go directly to the Amarillin's office, right? The Amar- It's changed too much. She's trying to go to Swan's Amerlin's office. And okay, it's that not, makes sense. It's not that anymore. So she has to go to some place that hasn't really changed. And even though Shiriam is not Mistress of Novices, the office of the Mistress of Novices has not changed. So she can go there and make her way up to the tower normally. They kind is of Shiriam not Mistress of Novices anymore. No, Shiriam's blue. Oh, yeah, she is, and she's not in the tower. Right. No blues are in the tower, which is something that we learn. Yeah. Uh, we, we learn a couple of things here. Moraine is wanted for treason. Uh, cool. Moraine's always been the rogue I said I. Yeah, and it, the letter that has her being listed as wanted for treason is written similarly to the one for Elaine. Sort, sort of. Sort of, like the same description and yeah. like bring them back at it at all costs. Yeah. Elaine's doesn't mention, or maybe it does mention wanted for treason. They haven't actually seen that one. I don't think Elida would do that. Although, if Elida's not the one who literally wrote and sent it out, who knows? Right. We do learn in this section that the keeper, yeah, the keeper is... Black Aja. Is, yeah. <laughs> so, like, if she's the one she could sending be, out messages and stuff, she's... She could change them before they get sent out. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. I don't even think about that. That's a good call. Um, but yeah, they, they learn about that. They learn all of the blues, a good portion of the greens, and the yellows have left. Like... The tower has broken. 
Yeah. And that's why Elida has a stole that has no blue in it because all of the blues, as Elida sees them, are rebels. Yikes. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it is interesting to me that blue, green, and yellow kind of broke off. Yeah. It's like a color scheme uh-huh. that goes together. They're all like... Yep. Definitely intentional. And they're the three that kind of have the most similar views. Which is probably why they're close in colors. Right. And we uh, we get a bit of this, like a very small bit of this from the section with Egwene and Moraine, where Egwene, like, <laughs> it's just Egwene's hard to like in this book. She is, like, poking and prodding Moraine about what, being wanted as a traitor and the, the tower breaking and, like, why don't you why don't you seem to care? And Moraine's like, you small child. Of course I care. The Dragon Reborn is here, though, and the world is coming to an end. Yeah. Because like the, there's something about, I think it's about swans. Like, are you not sad for your friend? Weren't you guys, like, friends for right. a very long time? Like, she's she's dead. Yep. And I think maybe part of Moraine's thinking is, she's not dead. You can't kill, you can't <laughs> kill swan. No. <laughs> Which, like, she would know her lesbian lover well enough to know That's that true. swan's gonna swan. Swan's gonna swan. <laughs> and probably not dead. Probably not. But still, like, being stilled is awful. Being stilled is awful. And so Egwene's, like, asking, like, aren't, why aren't you sad for your friend? She's like, I am, but, like... I'm an Aes Sedai, and there are thing, there are world-shattering things happening. I can't afford to mourn this or worry about it. I do not have the time. Right. Moraine, I, like... <sighs> Egwene is hard to like in this book, and Moraine goes from being... She was kind of a a very much like a background character in all of the books except for one. And I think this book is where part of what I really like about Robert Jordan's writing kind of comes into focus. And the quote, too, uh, where you you kind of realize that, like, oh, yeah, Moraine hasn't been around, but that doesn't mean she hasn't been doing anything. She, you know, at the beginning of this book, she has that, like, weird shift in how she deals with Rand... And it's not explained. And it's explained in, like, one line here. And it's like, okay, the world is moving. The The plot is happening in the world. We're seeing a window of it. Just because we're not looking at something doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah. And I like that. That's what makes the book feel alive to me. There's a little bit more with Egwene other than her talk with Maureen. She mentions, like, some of the dreams she's been having. Yeah. Uh, because in her efforts to tell Moraine about the Amerlin being what it is right now, she has to figure out, how do I not get in trouble? How does she do it without making it very obvious that she snooped in the dream world when she's not supposed to go there unaccompanied? Right. So she just kind of says it, and Moraine assumes that she's coming into her own as as a dreamer. Right. And she mentions a couple other dreams that she's had that thinks, like, okay, maybe I am sort of because I keep seeing things. Yeah. And she sees Perrin in the two rivers with the Manetherin banner and then gets, like, an overwhelming sense of doom, which I do not like for him. And then (laughs) (laughs) she sees Matt throwing dice with blood down his face and his hat pulled. Yep. Far enough that she can't see why he's bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that has to do something with the eye on the balance scale. I'm still I'm gonna be stuck on it <laughs> until it happens. Matt's gonna lose an eye. I know what happens. <laughs> I, I, I there is another prophecy 
that might shed some light on that. I'm not going to say what it is because that might give it away. But there's another one that sheds light on it. That we've had already? Yep. Do I have it written down in my notes? Mm, you might. Because all I really have are the visions and shit. I have not been writing down oh, it's not prophecies. A, it's not a vision. Like, I've been writing down visions and dreams. It is neither a vision nor a dream. Yeah, I'm not writing down any prophecies because, okay. like, I don't really think about them okay. as, in that way. Because most of them are about Rand. And it's like the whole book's about Rand. The whole series about Rand. So The whole series is. Well, the whole series is about all of them. But Rand is a highlight. Yeah, like all the Dragon Reborn stuff I just haven't been writing down because it's like I, I, I'm going to figure it out is, what it is eventually. It is also not one of the prophecies of the dragon. I think that's the last thing I'm going to say about it. All right. Well, I'll figure it out when it gets there because I clearly haven't written it down. Yeah. And if you tell me, it will be obvious. So It will be. The Egwene does walk in on Moraine eavesdropping. <laughs> she's she does. She's like using the power. She's got that, that trick yeah. that she has with her stone. And she's eavesdropping on Rand, who was talking with Natal. Yeah. Quote. I'm wondering if that is that successful. Like at this point, there's no way Rand hasn't learned how to ward a room. Yeah, I don't know. Cause if if it was successful, she, she would know that he's Asmodian. Yeah. Does he? Does she know? And does she just I not mean, care? Well, she might care, but she might think it's a good thing. It is a good thing. Right. This is Moraine, right? She's not an idiot. Of all of the Aes Sedai, of all of the other characters in the book, she is the least, like, gut reaction-y. Yeah. She will take a situation and look at it objectively and see, is this going to help Rand win the last battle? I think followed by Lan who is also very level-headed and does not really have much of a gut reaction. Except when Nynaeve is involved. (laughs) Or when he's scowling at someone. His scowls are pretty gut reaction, but that's about it. Yeah. But, like, Moraine above all. And that's that's what makes Moraine such a fucking great character. Like, she's she's her own goddamn woman. She doesn't... She she just doesn't do stupid shit. She's not dumb. Moraine is not dumb. Moraine confirmed. is not dumb. So if she does know about Asmodian, it, it is a yes. He's a forsaken, but this is a good thing. He's teaching Rand. He's how to teaching channel. Rand how to channel, which I mean, it needs to be done. Moraine can try to teach him things like she taught him what he was doing is Balefire and right. what that does, but she can't teach him. How to do the thing. A bird can't teach a fish how to fly. No, cannot. It can tell that fish about flying all it wants. Yep. But it's not going to, it's not going to work. Yeah. I I think that's about the extent of the Egwene stuff. Like we said, she needs to just like put an IV of chill pill drugs into her veins. Yep. Maybe not sexually assault her friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, friends. Friends don't do that. No, friends don't do that. Come That's on. not a friend thing. Like, gee, ah, oh, man. Yeah, it, it it's rough. I I had also I I thought this happened in the next book. I I didn't realize this happened here. Yeah, glad you read it first. Yeah, because Jesus I had some forewarning. Yeah, it's like the first thing it hit it hit us with this section too. Because that is that. Was, Specific content warning is one of the ones that I yeah I like to have some forewarning. If we're gonna see on page, yeah anything, I need. There are 
at least, I would say, two other instances in the series. I think I've seen some things about it in later books, not yeah. specific, but just the fact that there is. There is a very not good one in book seven. I don't think there's much in book six, and I don't remember when the other one happens. And, Who you know, knows? there's also a whole bunch of implied. Yeah. But the, it's not on page, which is why we haven't content warned it yet. Yeah, it, it's not on page, and it's also not something that is, I, I don't know, implied, inferred to be okay. Like, yeah. like, the thing that makes this bad is that it's written as, like, a, oh, yeah, Egwene's just teaching a lesson. The stuff with Morghese and Robin is, like, no, Robin's a monster. Yeah. Like, this is a fucking awful thing that he's doing. We know this. It's not kind of trying to be a good thing, somebody doing a bad thing for a good reason. It's somebody doing a bad thing for a bad reason. We've brought it up. We could skip to the end yeah, and let, go let's, over that. Let's talk and about then the we can touch stuff. back on uh, the naive and... <laughs> Elaine stuff because we've been with Nynaeve and Elaine for two sections now. Yeah, and they really don't get up to that much. No, so Morghese is uh, still under Robin's control. Yeah, and she's just kind of chilling in her room, and she's like, "Why am I just chilling in my room? Why is this I'm happening?" A queen. There's things to do. There's things to do, but I'm just sitting here reading. Why am I doing that? And uh, t- is it Talonbor that comes in? Yeah. And it's like, did you hear the morning news? Like, are you going to do anything about that? And she's like, what morning, uh, news? What morning news? It's morning? <laughs> what? <laughs> what day is it? Who am I? You're not that far off. And so he tells her that there's rebellion in the two rivers and that they're raising the Manetherin. Whatever that's banner. about. Rebellion is a strong word for Perrin. <laughs> who. Would rather not do that. But that is probably what the grapevine... That's true. Is, I mean, it's just a... They, they did raise a banner. They raised the banner. It was the Manetherin banner. Yeah. I mean, and that seems a lot like rebellion the, to me. It does. And, and especially in the game of telephone that news often is in a world yeah. where there's no cell phones. Yeah, I can totally see yeah. them just having to raise a Manetherin banner yeah. as being a rebellion. And she's like, I... Yeah, the news I have kinda... not been, like... I've not been focused on the two rivers and trying to control them because they're just going to do their own thing. But this I need to get under control. Yeah. Because the... if this happens, then other places are going to start doing it. Yeah, and the news kind of, like, snaps her out of this, like, fog that she's been in. And she goes and she kind of confronts Robin, who's having, like, a meeting with a bunch of her enemies. Like, it's a bunch of heads of houses that opposed her in the succession when she took the throne. And she's like, what are you doing meeting with all these people who hate me? Please send them away. And he's like, no, just go to bed. Like, go and, take a nap. And he, she tries to order him, like, no, we are going to have a meeting now about what right. we learned this morning. You are going to follow me. And he's like... No, you're going to go to bed. Yeah. And she starts to do it. And then so, of course, all of her enemies are laughing at her. And she, once she closes the door behind her, it kind of snaps yeah. out of her again. And she's like, something's got to give. What the hell is going on? Right. And so she goes and visits Lini. Yep. Who sets her straight. She, Lini knows about Gabriel and all his women. Yep. And Moray did not know about Apparently, all his Apparently, he's got not just that one lady from Tyr, but like, like four or five others in the palace. He's keeping them in the palace. Which, wow, that's a power move. Literally. Yeah. I mean, there's no way he, they're all willingly doing this. No. Maybe one of them is a dark friend trying to, like, 
sleep her way up the dark friend ranks, but like probably not. I could see a dark friend doing that. Uh, it's a thing they would do. So, but like, and it's a thing Robin would take advantage of. Yeah. And then probably just kill. Yeah. He's forsaken. They're not. They're monsters. He's a bad person. He's definitely of the forsaken, the worst one we've encountered so far. Like. Agonor. I'd, I'd say he's kind of worse than Lanfear because Lanfear is crazy. Like, she is, I think she's actually clinically insane. <laughs> like, she needs to be put in a psychiatric ward. Uh, she's, yeah. She's got some crazy held beliefs that are just not based in reality at all. Well, Robin seems to be based in as much reality, like not our reality, but in the world's reality. Yeah. He's just bad. Lanfear's an interesting case because, and any of the Forsaken are interesting because when you are as powerful as they are, you can shape reality to a good degree around your desires. And Lanfear is also a master of the dream world where literally you can shape the reality around you to your own desires. There is that, but I think it just like the how absolutely crazed she is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's not as evil, if that makes any sort of sense. I, yeah, I, I yeah. I, I was going to say that, like, lore-wise, they're all awful. But lore-wise, the only person who maybe, like, directly compares to Robin in terms of sheer awfulness is Agonor, who created the Trollocs and the Merdral and all the Shadowspawn. Didn't he die in the first book? He did die in the first book. Rand, uh ran him through with a sword of fire. Yeah, I don't think he's all that bad if he gets killed by Rand in the first book. I'm just talking about lore-wise, not power-wise. Lore-wise, Trollocs and Murdral are unholy abominations of that's lots of different creatures, including humans. Yeah, that's true, but... The, and so are Dragkar. And Grey Men are people who have had their souls removed. Lore-wise, Agonor's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> clearly not much of a threat after all of that uh, he's, because he he's gets, a little toasty he gets axed in book one yeah yeah so. and like there's like three sentences about it he comes on he comes on page and he's like i'm agonor and now i'm dead <laughs> he's yeah i'm agonor ah pain <laughs> and then he's like oh no sword yeah that's about robin we're gonna have to see more of and it's not gonna yeah do um Mid-book prediction time, before we get into what Morghese gets into with Linny. Do you think that Robin will be dealt with this book? We met him last book. We met him book three, actually. Did we? Yeah, when Matt... Because it was Matt, yeah. yeah. So he's been around... He's been in three books. Is he going to be dealt with this book or in a later book? I don't think he's going to be dealt with this book. We've only had one other Morghese POV in this book, and it was like two pages. Okay. Now we're, we're not halfway through really but we're almost halfway through yeah okay and like we've got one more section to read before we're kind of at that like yeah more middle part so i don't think unless a lot of this like back two-thirds of it are about more gays then i don't think he's going to be dealt with this book okay at least the big threat has been dealt with i'd say he's been partially dealt with he, he doesn't have is... more gays under her, his control anymore. Is that the big threat? Or is the big threat him supplanting her as king of Andor? That is a threat. That is 
we've had we've had step one. I think it's going to take several steps to deal with Robin okay. because of what he's done. Okay. You, like, yeah, sure, I guess Rand could just walk up and bail fire him, but, like, he is, he'd have to know. And Robin is powerful. Like, he's, he's a powerful channeler in his own right. But I think unless Rand goes and bail fires him... Yeah. Mordaze is going to have to be the one to kind of try to take him down. Yeah. And, and she actually... doesn't know he's a Forsaken, and so it's going to take a while until someone who can actually kill him... And that is actually yes. something that Morghese talks about, where she's like, yeah, Rand could probably take any individual Forsaken right now. He's powerful. He has allies around him. He has, she doesn't know it, but he has the Chodian Kal at his disposal, which are like the, the big super Sangreal statues. Ah, okay. Or like he could just go back to Tyr and pick up Kalandor and be like, oh, look, you're ants compared to me. Right. I almost resurrected a person. I could just wipe you off the face of the planet. But he might not be able to deal with two. He certainly wouldn't be able to deal with all of them if they came at him at once. No. And they're not the problem. That's the thing that makes... The Forsaken are weird because, like, aside from Robin, what have the Forsaken really done so far? Robin and Lanfear. Agador and Balthanel got toasted real quick. Like, they got out of their prison in the seals and then immediately got axed. Right. Ishamael stabbed Rand, which is pretty bad, because that wound keeps opening up and keeps causing him problems. And that is eventually going to kill him yeah. if he doesn't die. Right. So Ishamael's been, been pretty effective. Bilal was nothing. Bilal got bail-fired, like, the page he was introduced. Yeah. They'd talked about him before because he was... He's tier. a Forsaken. He's, he was trying to control Tyr. Right. Samael hasn't really done anything. And, like, he wasn't even bail-fired by Rand. He was bail-fired <laughs> by Moraine. Yes, Moraine. God, bail-fired by Morgaze. <laughs> do not give that woman access to bail-fire. Um, I don't think she could do it. I don't think she could either. But, like, most of the Forsaken just haven't been that effective. Robin's been relatively effective. And Lanfear's been pretty effective. Yeah, but the true threat isn't the Forsaken. It's, it's the dark one breaking free. Yeah. And the, what the Forsaken are doing is they're just going to make it difficult for Rand to effectively fight the dark one by essentially not allowing the world to come together to fight cosmic evil. Yeah. Right Right now, as things stand, Kyrian's a mess. Alien's behind Samael. Tanshiko's a mess. Amadisia's a mess. Yeah, everything's a mess. Everything's a mess. Andor is the least messy of them for the most part. And that's soon to be under Robin's control. So the only people, and this is why Rand kind of did a great thing in going to Roydian, the only people that are largely unified behind Rand and behind the light are the Aiel. Which, I mean, if you're going to pick a... If you only have to pick one group of people to be behind you... Right. Aiel. And that's why he's going to Kyrian, too. He can... There's nobody on the throne of Kyrian. He knows the person who has a very good claim to it. He could also just go in and make himself king. There's no king. He's the dragon. He could say, I'm king of Kyrian now. And I'm going to marry Elaine. (laughs) What are you going to do? I have a glowing Excalibur. Yeah. Which, like, yeah, it would suck for there to be a king of Kyrian for the first time. And, like, no. Kyrian had a king. Kyrian has had two kings previously. All of these places are... Where is Morghese? Morghese is in Andor. Okay. The capital city of Andor is Camelin. There we go. That's what I'm... <laughs> I keep mixing up Camelin and Kyrian. Yeah. 
Kyrian's also confusing because Kyrian is the country and Kyrian is also the capital city. Who's the heir to Kyrian then? No one. He said he knows. Elaine has a claim to the throne of Kyrian. Actually, so does Morgaze. Uh, not Morgaze. I keep doing that this episode. So does Moraine. But. Why does Elaine have. Elaine is the. From her dad's side? From her dad. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Her dad was brother to the king. So she Brother has... to the king before the king that um, Tom killed. <laughs> oh, yeah, Tom did kill Tom him. did a regicide. <laughs> and that's why Kyrian's so fucked up right now. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I've been absolutely con- conflating yeah. uh, Kyrian and Caitlin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Those have been the same in my head for like a book and a half. Jeez. I mean, fair. <laughs> There's a lot of shit in this series. That but yeah, so Elaine's, Elaine's dad, Terengel Damadred, was, uh, I don't know, related to the son of uh, Laman Damadred, who was the king who the Aiel killed in the Aiel War, where the blood snow happened. Ooh. It all comes together. The blood snow. Great scene in the, in the show. Yeah, that was, I think, the, one of the best. It was scene. awesome. It, like, it's in the top five of best five moments in yeah. season one. It, it is the entirety of the top five. <laughs> I don't and know. The stuff with the Warders. The stuff with the Warders is very good. Anyway. This is not a show episode. This is not a show episode, and we've gone way off track. Let's talk about what Morgaze and Lini get up to. So she goes to visit Lini, and Lini knows about Gabriel and all his women. Yep. And as she's talking to Morgaze, and Morgaze just keeps asking her questions, and she's like, honey, you exiled them. Do you... What is going on with you? Yeah, she has hu- Morgaze has huge gaps in her memory. Robin has compelled her to like exile all of the people who are allied with her and like threaten to have them executed and like you can't ever come back to Camelin or I'm going to like annihilate your house. Yeah, and she the only thing that is sticking is her like she doesn't know why she did those things and the only one she does know why she did was exile Bryn. Yeah. But she did that because of Robin too. Yep. So. Yeah. And she actually thinks about Tom. She does. She kind of, like, she's trying to process, like, she doesn't know that Gabriel is Robin. She just thinks that he's this guy who somehow has some control over her. And so she goes through all the men in her life and thinks about Tom and is like, I could have married him. But then he, like, disappeared and. Yeah, we get we get her side of the Tom stuff and Tom is kind of shitty about it. He just kind of up and leaves. Like, he, like, mysteriously left, and he came back, and she was like, why were you gone? He was like, I'm not going to tell you. Also, fuck your eyes to die. Send them away. You should break off your ties with the tower. That was because of his... So he... Am I... In his backstory, he left to go try to deal with Owen, and then when he came back... Yeah, that's when the bad things happened with him and Morgase. Okay. So yeah, I mean, like it all comes together again. It's it's cool to see these like different pieces of like very very background characters come together. Yeah, and so she just like kind of thinks about all the men in her life, and she's like, "Fuck them! They're ha- they're causing me problems." Yeah, what like which fair? I mean, this one I would to a, I would uh, argue this one to a larger extent uh, because he's yeah. a forsaken. And I like, would argue that Gareth Brynn didn't really cause her problems. That's probably why he had to get sent away. Yeah. He he knew how to walk the line of challenging her, but acknowledging that she was queen. And she talk she thinks about him a little bit too, but and like semi positively, but it's clouded by whatever st- strong command Robin right. gave her to exile him. Right, it's gonna take a while. 
She needs some therapy. Yep. I mean, everybody in this series needs some therapy, but she will need an extra couple doses because, I oof. hope. My my hope for Morgays is that once all the Robin stuff is dealt with, her and Bryn can get back together. Yeah. I don't necessarily, like, super ship it, but, like, I think they need to be happy. And clearly they, they miss each other. Yeah. Yeah. And she needs someone who is She not, needs a good guy. She needs a good guy. Someone who doesn't destroy her view of men in the world, which, like... Yup. Damn it, Robin. Uh, you know who is kind of great, though? Talonvor. Talonvor. I love him. He, we met him in book three. We did? Yeah, he's the he's the guard who let Rand... Uh, not Rand, but Matt in. Aww. Yeah, I it all it. comes back together. It's great. This is what's great about this series. You get this far in, and you're like, oh, shit. It all fits together, and it's amazing. I need to protect Talonvor. Just, like, there's a there's a scene. He's, like, super loyal to her. He's the one who comes in and tells her the news, and then later she sends Lini to go find him. And she, she asks Lini if she can trust him, because he has told her that all of the new guard oaths... Was that him or was that Lini? It was one of them. It was one of them. I think all, it was him. All of the new men's oaths are to the throne and law, not queen. Yeah. And he did take that oath, but then Lini tells the story of she saw him like at an inn, and he's like crying, and, and he, he feels so awful for swearing this oath, so then he just like swears to the heavens these old oaths he, to... Not the queen. He to goes, Queen Morgays. It's even better. He goes to like a secluded grove, kneels before a tree, and swears a blood oath to Queen Morgays of Andor. <laughs> Damn. I love him. Ten out of ten. We appreciate Talonvor. <laughs> yeah, I. He's awesome. I, so he's very loyal. I forgot. I forgot he was in book three. And so I just thought this was like a brand new guy. Nope. And like one episode, one episode in, I'm already like, this is a Talonvor appreciation podcast. Because <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. That is, that is some dedication. That's some land level dedication. That's some land level dedication. <laughs> it's great. We love Talonvor here. Morgaze has a warder. Morgaze has a warder. Yeah. It's good. And I love it so much. Yeah, and like even even in book three, he was complaining about all the new guards. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, he's anyway. like he's up there with Lan. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> one, one section <laughs> up there with Lan. <laughs> it didn't take me that long to love Lan either, though. So it didn't. You you do get Lan appreciation very early. But anyway, There's so Lee about that character arc. Yes, there is. So Lini gets Talonvor, and they're trying to make a plan to escape quietly and go to Gareth Bryn, kind of summon her allies and oust Gabriel. So they go to the Queen's blessing. That so I was like the Queen's, and I couldn't remember what the last part was. Good old Basil Gill shows up again, and so she has like this band of misfits, sort of. She's yeah, like, it's my 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 company of people it's who are sworn me, to me. A Essentially, queen in exile. Yeah. A very loyal guardsman. My 90-year-old nursemaid. <laughs> who, I mean, just... <laughs> we talk about how great Lini is. She's pretty fun. I loved... They were, like, when they were going to the Queen's Blessing, they get there, and Morghese turns around, and she sees Lini just kind of, like, huffing. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I should have slowed down. She's like, no. How do you think I'm supposed to take care of Elaine's children if I can't keep up with you? This woman was 
Elaine's nursemaid. Morgay's Morgay's nursemaid. Morgay's mother's nursemaid. And she is determined to take care of Elaine's children. And nobody doubts that it's going to happen. I love her, too. She's, uh, yeah, she's a character, for sure. So, yeah, now, her... And now you've met the person who all of Elaine's sayings come from. I already like it. And she, like, stops mid-sentence often to, like, quote these old, like, folk sayings. She says one, and Morgan's is like, that's not an old saying. She's like, if I'm as old as I am, anything I say is an old saying. <laughs> she's got the whole last movie. She's got big Southern grandma vibes. Because yeah. my great-grandmother who died at the age of 97, would say shit like that. I've lived it. It's true. <laughs> yeah, she does have Southern grandma vibes. Big time. <laughs> but, so, and then there was one other person? Two. Uh, Two other. Liam Gwynn and his wife's name, who I Are they married? Don't, I, I don't know if they're married. They're, but they're, she's they're like... They're very clearly very attached to each other. He did something to save her, and so she's like, she looks at Morgays and she's like, I'm following you because he's following you, and I'm not leaving him, yeah. so you're going to have to take me with you. And she's like, okay. And she's like, okay, this doesn't bode well for me, yeah. but... And then there's Basil Gill, who's, like, ready to up and leave the Queen's blessing. I mean, he's loyal to the Queen. It wouldn't... I mean, yeah. The Queen's if blessing there's a king, innkeeper. there can't be a Queen's blessing. Right. Or there could be, but it doesn't... It's not as good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all the Morgay stuff. Uh, it's not a long chapter. It's split with a patent vein <laughs> section, which we'll get to. Yeah. So let, let's go back to Elaine and Nynaeve. Um, it, Nynaeve remains mid kind of personality crisis. Um, they're at the inn. They, uh, they're thinking that they should maybe not go to the tower. Yeah. So Elaine thinks that they should go to Tyr. Nynaeve says something else. Nynaeve got like a side glimpse at where they think, at where the tower thinks the Blue Aja is. And so she got like the first part of it. And so they're trying to head that direction. Yeah. And they're doing, they get into like this argument about how to get there. And Nynaeve is just like, we should go by land, even though it's going to take longer because we might run into the Blue Aja on the way there. And, right. Which, I mean, she's right. She is right. She's just shitty about it. This is like. This is post Elaine being awful, Egwene being awful, so I, there's some level of shittiness that is totally expected and understandable. Also, Nynaeve has been not right for most of this book, so That's I true. can kind of, it's kind of like in Harry Potter when Harry's just like, someone so is trying to do something, and then finally when he's like, Draco's trying to kill Dumbledore, and no one believes him because he's been wrong for five books. Right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Nynaeve's no. been wrong for like a book and a half. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But so they're kind of discussing this at the end and they, they get breakfast and the, the innkeeper thinks that Elaine is a lady. So she's getting like the nice, the nice stuff. Bread, pancakes, an assortment of fruit, including something that Nynaeve has never experienced before. A strawberry, which she notes does not look like any other berry that she's seen. And massive, <sighs> massive credit to Nynaeve here, because strawberries are not berries. I know. <laughs> I talk about this way too much. This is his thing. <laughs> strawberries are not berries. Lots of things are berries, but strawberries are liars. Do you know what else is a berry? Bananas. Bananas are berries. Avocados are berries. Blueberries are berries. Raspberries and blackberries are not berries. They are also liars and should be exiled and never allowed to return to Andor. 
This is not a berry podcast. This is not a berry podcast, but right now it is a berry podcast because <laughs> other things that are berries include tomatoes and pumpkins <laughs> and pineapples, which isn't a berry, but is instead a cluster of berries. Squash, zucchini. Then Galad shows up. Then Galad shows up. Galad is not a berry, but... He is a white cloak, He though. is a white cloak. <laughs> he deserves to eat lots of strawberries because white cloaks are awful and strawberries are liars. He's not a liar, though. I don't even know where to go from that. <laughs> <clears throat> He's not a liar to a fault. And we learn he left the tower after uh, the kind of schism. And so he's a white cloak now because he thought that was the best thing to do. He mentions yep. Valda. He who mentions Eamon Valda. Who I just write down because now the show. The show, yeah. Valda's not a good guy. Valda's not a good guy. I don't know if he's... Because <clears throat> I remember you telling me something that he might... The show of Valda might be kind of an amalgamation of some I, I white think cloaks. He's, I think he's a combination of book Eamon Valda and another white, white cloak character. Because in the book, in this book, and all the books, because... That's how characters work. Valda is not an inquisitor. In the show, he's an inquisitor. And so I think they might be combining them. Either way, he's not a good guy at yep. all. Don't trust it. And he's like a right-hand man to Valda, which is just not... Yeah, he met Eamon Valda, and Valda like made him a captain because he went through all the warder training, and yeah, he's they gave very him, good with a sword. They gave him ranks pretty quickly, which yeah. many have comments on. Also comments that he's very pretty. Well, he's still Galad. Yeah, he's still Galad. And she's, like, mad at herself. She's like, I can't stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, fair. Yeah. He is a white cloak. He is a white cloak. And he is very conflicted. Actually, he's not really that conflicted when they meet him. No, that but... he wants to escort Elaine and Egwene. They, he doesn't know where Egwene is, but he wants Elaine and Egwene to go back to Camelin because that's where they will be safe. Yep. And, you know, Cool. That's a good thing to want, Galad. You don't know that Robin's in control of Camelin. No. You so don't like, know that. Yeah, that's where your mother is. Right. Basically. Or your stepmother. That's where Elaine's mother is. Right. Like, you want to take her back to her mother. Yeah. Fair. But he also knows is a that. white cloak. And they are channelers. They are channelers and Amadesia, which is illegal. And so. Amador. They're in Amador. Elaine is like, we have to leave immediately because yep. he is going, he is in the middle of two things that are correct and right. And I do not want to find out which one he wants to go yeah. for. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a situation he's not in very often where there are two correct and morally right things to do. And at least subjectively morally right, because I would not consider it right in Amador to give up Chandler's to the White Cloaks to be executed, basically. But the White Cloaks do. The White Cloaks see it right. He's a White Cloak, and it is it is the law of the land. And he joined the White Cloaks because he thought they were the right thing to do. Right. So, he was lost after the tower broke. The White Cloaks were there like saying, like, hey, uh, we're super right all the time. And he's like, okay, cool. Yep. He, he's cool. maybe a little gullible. Yeah. He's kind of dumb. <laughs> he's, he's dumb but pretty. <laughs> but, like... He's not. But he's not He's not a himbo. He's not a himbo. He because has... he doesn't have that, like, adorable love for women. Because that's like, there's, you've got to have the three things to be a himbo. You've got to be pretty. You've got to be not all that smart. Okay. And you've got to have, you've got to be, like, loyal. Like, Kronk. Kronk is a himbo. Kronk needs he to be bakes. a himbo to better women. Yeah, but, like, he has a respect for women. He bakes. He's, like, he's wholesome. Galad's missing the wholesome. Yeah. I don't know where that he makes... He could be. 
I don't know where that makes him on. There's like a graph. I'll, I have to find the graph and I'll figure out where Galad fits on it. He does have potential himbo energy. There's another. I can't remember the term for it right now, but it's a not adorable version of a himbo okay. that is pretty and dumb, but not nice. I, th- I think if he met the right people, he could get there. No, he's not inherently nice. Therefore, can never be a himbo. But if he were around people who showed him that nice is right. It's not inherent. Glod is never going to be a himbo. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Anyway, this entirely disrupts their plans. They were like, okay, well, we're just going to ride. You know, nobody's really going to remember us. We can just leave. Uh, but Galad will remember them. So they have to change course, and they've got all this stuff, and then they spend, like, 50 pages packing and figuring out what... Yeah, and then they're like, pump the brakes. We can't just leave in the middle of the night. Except that's not what they do. Well, but they leave in the middle of the night two days later. They, like, no, buy a couple like... more nights. It's they only stay, one night. They buy another night, but they stay there for another night to leave at a time where Galad is not expecting them to leave. Well, because they were supposed to be leaving that morning. Right. They were they were basically checking out of the hotel, and then Galad shows up, and they're like, all right, well, we need to stay another night. And then they leave in the middle of that night that they yeah. stayed. So they do leave pretty quickly after. Yep. But they do kind of leave in the middle of the night just yeah. so that. And Tom was following Galad to, like, help out. Yeah, Tom, remains, Tom remains great. Thumbs Tom's up for great. Tom. Tom has a complicated past, but current Tom is great. Honestly, like, regicide Tom is fine, too. Yeah. Uh, well, I was more talking about the, like, disappearing for a month on your lover and then angrily telling her what to do when she's queen. He was traumatized. He was, he was traumatized and grieving. So, yeah. like, yeah. Like, he's still, it's still a dick move, but. Yeah. Complicated past, but we're okay with complicated pasts. Yeah. That's fine. People are complex. Yeah. They do talk about Glaud, Elaine, and Tom. Yep. And Tom's not at all surprised that he's a white cloak. Yeah. No. And then that's when Nynaeve finds out that. Tom was court barred. And that maybe Elaine is flirting with Tom. To compete to with compete her mother. To with her mother. Which, like, uh, did you have to... Don't, don't do that. One, don't do that, Elaine. And two, do... Nynaeve, did you have to say the quiet part oh out loud? We all knew that was what it was. Why is Elaine trying said... to get with Tom to compete with her mother? Because Nynaeve's like, oh, I saw it in the Two Rivers all the time. All the time? That... Like, daughters tried to steal... The Two Rivers their... doesn't have that many people. She just, like, saw it all the time. That daughters would try to steal their mother's second husband right out from underneath them. It's like... There's two... There, there are not enough people in the Two Rivers to make that an everyday occurrence without it being kind of fucked up. I'm just going to go ahead and say that if my mother were going to be marrying another person. Oh. I would have no urge to try to seduce. Well, that's good, because I'd hope we'd still be married. In a, in a <laughs> world where, you know... Gotcha. <laughs> it's not ever going to happen, but... Gotcha. I'm just saying I don't have the desire to... Nope. Flirt with someone my mom's trying to get with. Absolutely not. I also do not think I'd share that impulse. I would not want to flirt with... Somebody that my mother's trying to get with. What if it was Pedro Pascal? We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> We're going to talk about how their plan is to travel with one of the most outwardly misogynistic people we've met in the series. Yeah. He's not great. Val and Lucas sucks. Every time he shows up in this goddamn series, it sucks. 
And so far, it's been once, so it holds true. I just, like, I, he does suck, but I think, and this is probably a sad commentary, I'm just so used to men like that that it doesn't phase me anymore. And it's like, yeah, this is what, like, you see these t- in literature, in real life. Yeah. I, I have encountered many yeah. Aluka. And so he's just garden variety crappy to me, not like... He's not, like, the worst. No, he's not the worst, but his plotline is the worst. <laughs> he, you know, they, they go and they find him and spin some lies about running from her brother. Yep. And he wants them to work. They're going to pay him a lot of money. And, then and they, he, still he still wants, wants them to work, work, which is just, like, <clears throat> to a certain extent, I understand it. If you put it as, like, it will be suspicious... If you're traveling with us and you're not doing anything, so we need to keep up appearances. Can't just take on four people in a menagerie who do nothing. Right. You need to keep up appearances. If he had said it like that, it's like, yeah, okay, then do you have any skills? Especially with Tom. Tom would have Tom's like, I can juggle. And and he starts juggling, doing something normal. And Val and Luke is like, I have jugglers. And then Tom goes from six to eight. And he's like, okay, that's pretty good. And then he starts doing, like, interlocking circles. He's like, oh, that's that's actually really good. And he just more complicated stuff. Basically, every time Val and Luke is like, no, you're not that good, Tom gets more complicated. And it's kind of implied that Tom could just keep keep scaling up. Yeah. Because it's fucking Tom. And he says some other things that he's good at. And so they're like, he's like, all right, sold. You're... Yep. And then Elaine <laughs> is very smart. And she's like, I can do a tightrope. And I'm thinking, how does Elaine know how to do a tightrope? And then I realize that she gets up there, oh, she's just going to channel her way through it. <laughs> yeah. Which, like... It's interesting that this works. Um, I have a theory that it uh, about why it works, but you can't lift yourself with the one power. And you can't channel enough... You can't really channel air to have stairs that much. Like, you can't channel a, a platform of air connected to nothing. But because but it's connected, it's to, connected the rope. to the tightrope. So I think that's how it works. Because she is walking on the tightrope. Yeah. And the air is just... Being stabilized by flows of air. And then poor Julian Julian. has to also do a tightrope walk. I feel bad for Julian because he just keeps getting caught up in things way above his pay grade. And so, you know, she just, like, does it effortlessly. She does a couple cartwheels. Right. She puts on a show and then Julian... How does she know how to do cartwheels? She was a little girl once. I, I guess... Tom. Tom? Or, like, she was a little girl once. She was a princess. She's still a little girl. Do you think Borghese would let the daughter heir do cartwheels? As long as no one sees her, yeah. That's fair. Or, like, is she just playing with her friends? I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. She's a little girl. Yeah, okay. Okay. She takes dance lessons. What's different than, like, dance gymnastics? Gymnastics is a skill. One of them doesn't put your legs above your head. For all the commoners and peasants to see. Yeah. Anyway, Julian has to get up and yeah. go after her, and he's, like, he, terrified he the entire time. He can't see the flows of air. Yeah, he can't. He he knows they're there, but he's just like, oh, God, what's happening? Yep. And Luca finds that hilarious, that, like, they'll have to do that in that order every time. Right. Because, it's like, she makes it look effortless, and then he's terrified, and I think... Val's got an eye for showmanship. He does. He is... He does make an offer to Nynaeve where she doesn't have to work. She can just stay in his coach. He makes that offer to Elaine first. And she's like, I I appreciate that. But I can, 
walk the tightrope. Yep. And then he makes that offer to Nynaeve. And he asks her, like, well, what are you going to contribute? And she's like, I pass out the money. Yep. <laughs> he's like, okay. Yeah. And she's starting to get it together. I think Valen Luca being like just any other guy she would have run in for the run into in the two rivers has like started to like that is a central point around which she can start to rebuild. Yeah, she knows how to deal with just your garden variety douchebag. Right. It's not Forsaken, it's not Black Aja, it's not Aes Sedai. It's just a garden variety dick. Yeah. And who uh, says something to Elaine that Nynaeve does not catch and then earns a slap in the face. Yeah. So. Good job, Elaine. She does like to, like, smack people. She is slap happy. She slaps people. She did whack someone upside the head with a staff. Yep. I'm I'm down for feisty princess. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah. Someone's got to keep up with Rand. Mm-hmm. And we meet a couple of the other menagerie goers. There's some jugglers who are very wary of Tom until they learn, oh, he does other things. Yeah. There's a trio of people who all look different who are all named the same thing. I don't remember what their name is. They claim they're brothers. They claim they're brothers, but they look absolutely nothing alike. Then there are some, like, actual brothers. Yeah. It's it's a, it's like a it's like a traveling circus. Yeah. And then we meet a... Serendon. Yeah. Who trains the boar horses, which we learn are called Sredit. Yeah, they're elephants. and I They're elephants. Because I don't think I can say that effectively very often. And which they're is... just elephants. Which is... What she says is why they're called boar horses is right. because they don't think that people can pronounce what they really are. Yep. And we learn that Serendin is Sean Chan, which Nynaeve picks on immediately. They learned their lesson from Aginan and can now easily recognize a Sean Chan accent. Yes. And I, it's it's kind of an interesting bit of backstory. The Sean Chan use elephants in battle. Makes sense. They're yeah. big. They're They're big. They have horns. Tusks. Tusks, horns, horns are... same difference. Uh, yeah, whatever. Pointy things on a head. And <laughs> that's going to come back to bite me in the ass. The uh, She was like a an elephant handler. And when the forerunners were driven back by Rand and the heroes of the horn, they just kind of abandoned a bunch of elephants and she managed to get most of them. Yeah, she tried to wrangle them all up because she just, she just loves her elephants. Yeah, she's not, she's not Soldam. She's not Damane. She's not an officer. No, she's just an elephant keeper. She yeah. just wants... She wants her to elephants to be okay. Yeah. And so... And so that, yeah. like, Elaine and Nynaeve are like, all right, you passed the vibe check. Yeah. Like, you're still Sean Chan, but, you know, you just want to take care of your elephants. Yeah. And she is impressed and surprised that they know so much about the Sean Chan. Yes. Which, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, other people can't even recognize the accent. And they're also a really far way away from Falma, I think. Yeah, I, have no I, idea. I don't think they're anywhere close. I don't remember exactly where they are at this point, but they're also not that far from like Caneland. Mm, so, yeah. Yeah. There are a couple of sections after the Elaine and Nynaeve stuff in the menagerie, though. We get a little bit of Leandrin, who remains the worst, but is having a bad time. Yeah, we kind of uh, end with we have the menagerie. And Luca's rude, but not necessarily the worst, but then is followed up by the worst. Yeah, double dose of the worst and, oh my god, please stay away from me. Yeah. It's well, not... there's the... Morghese is in between Leandrin and Patton Fane. That's true. In any case, we get Leandrin. She is not having a good time. She is in Amador. Yep. Kind of recovering from having to escape Tanchico with the rest of the Black Aja, or the rest of the small number of Black Aja that... She knows. 
And she notes that she doesn't she didn't know that any of these people were Black Aja before. They don't know each other. They're in really small, independently operated cells. Yeah. Which that's a good way to be evil terrorists. Yeah. Because it's hard to sell anybody out. You can't sell anybody out for your own gain. Nobody could torture you to find out too much information. Right. It does have a downside, though, because Mogadian sweeps in and takes control of all of them, and they had been set to work to do stuff by Ishmael, who is dead, but... They'd been sent to do stuff, and then this person comes, and it's Mogadian, and who has undercover as, like, a servant for them. Yeah. Where they were before, and so... Leandrin's just like... Like, oh, no, I treated one of the chosen like shit. Yep. And (laughs) Mogidian has massive control over all these Black Aja people. It's because she baited them into channeling at her and then taught them a lesson. Yeah. She gets Leandrin to do the same thing. Leandrin's just, like, groveling on the floor from the very beginning. And then Mogidian just, like, takes her down even more pegs. Yeah. Which... Good. Good. Like, but also, I don't like, it's be, Mogidian. I don't want to be rooting for Mogidian, but also, yeah, take Leandrin down a few pegs because yeah. she's the worst. She, like, tries to do her, like, compulsion thing on Mogidian, and she's just like, no, fuck you. And then Here's me. how you actually do it. And then, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, just, ooh, it's it's bad. It is bad. And then each of the Black Aja gets her own orders. Yep. And... Leandrin wants to learn how to do compulsion. Yeah. Just not a, not something Leandrin should know how to do. No. Please no. Leandrin and like four others are sent to go after Nynaeve. Yes. Because Mogidian is pissed. This display over the Black Aja is definitely a reaction by Mogadin to getting beat by Nynaeve too. She's definitely doing it to show that she can defeat. She's she's just demonstrating her power to herself more than to the Black Aja. Although definitely to them because Leandrin tried to compel her. Yeah. But more to herself, because they're kind of ants beneath Mogadian. Yeah. But yeah, a couple of Black Aja are sent to go find Nynaeve. And Leandrin's like, I'll do that. I don't like Nynaeve. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck her. (laughs) I want to do that anyway. Then we end the section. Good old Paddenfane. It's never... I, I... Every time I see a Pad and Fane section, I ha- I have a physical reaction. This is not the worst Pad and Fane section. There is a rotting corpse. Yeah, but like I just I saw him and I actually I saw his name on the page and I actually went like I had like an audible shudder. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I really don't like Pad and Fane sections. I don't yeah. like being in his head. No, I don't think I won't mind it as much in the show because I'm not in his You're head. Not in his head and. Oddly enough, now that he's with the dagger, being in his head is not as bad, I don't think. like He's he, whole again. He's whole again. And that's what happens. He, he He's in the tower. We knew he was in the tower. He's he going to... to do something else, but then he, he, he feels the dagger. Yeah. And then so he's like, I'm going to go do that now. And he gets and he, the dagger. He finds an unlocked door. And he's like, these Aes Sedai are so dumb, they're not even warding the door. Like, they didn't even lock the door. Yeah, he breaks in. And, and then one of the accepted comes to be like, hey, what are you doing? And he cuts her with the dagger, and she dies a very bad death. And yep. she, like, bloats and dies. It's not That's what good. happened to the people who Matt killed with the dagger. Matt didn't kill anybody with the dagger. Yeah, he did. When Rand became a blade master, and they were oh, fighting all yeah. those dudes, yeah, yeah. Matt kill killed some dudes. That's true. 
He didn't mean to kill them. He was kind of slashing at them so that they wouldn't kill yeah. him, and then they bloated and I died. I don't think they. I don't think it was as dramatic as this because. No, it was the exact. It felt exactly the same reading it. I mean, it, it it's the same effect, but with Padden Fane, who is like half Padden Fane, half more death. It's more potent. There's more Shadow Logar nastiness going on. I don't anyway, know. It felt the same to me. Anyway, he's got the dagger, and Alviarin, the keeper, shows up. And it's like, oh, look, there's an accepted dead on the floor. <clears throat> if she had just done her job and gone to tell us, you'd be dead. But she didn't, so why are you here? Yep. And then he realizes that she's Black Kaja. And he calls her on it, and she's like, oh, okay, why shouldn't I kill you? I, he gives some, he like bluffs. Yeah, he, yeah, I don't really remember what he said. It, it's, he, he gets out of the situation. He's, he's got him like wrapped up in air and she's going to kill him. And he's like, mm, maybe not. You could be useful. He like says stuff about where he went. Like, you know, he's been to Shale Ghoul. He's, he's seen the dark one. And she's like, okay, maybe you're actually on, maybe we're actually on the same side. Yeah. He's on his own side. Especially now that he has the dagger. But we do learn Alviar and his Black Aja, which feels important. Yep. She's the keeper. She's Vice Amberlin. He offers, he's like, I could just. I just kill it. I can kill Elida for you. She's got this dagger. She'll go real quick. Yeah. And she can't heal. No one can heal her of that wound. Nope. So then you could be Amberlin. And she's like, no, I'm good where I am. Yeah. Alviar's smart. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to be evil, I don't want to be head honcho. Right. I'm going to be vice president. That does beg the question. Is Elida Black Aja, do you think? I think I lean towards that she's not. Okay. We have her as a POV character. Okay. And she has not said anything in her POVs that would make me think that she's Black Aja. Very and unless fair. she has multiple personalities in her head or is so good at gaslighting herself that she doesn't <laughs> think that she that she's Black Aja, but she actually really does think that she's a Red. She just has all this loyalty to the, to the Reds. She does. That Which a lot of the Black Aja so far have been Red. But in Leandrin sections, her POV is very much, I was never a Red, I was always Black Aja. Yeah, like, that's I fair. I masqueraded as a Red. I have no loyalty to Reds. I have a loyalty to the Black Aja. Right. So just contrasting the two POVs of... Eyes that I we've gotten that aren't Moraine. Okay. I don't think she is. It is possible, however, that she is Black Aja and Just hasn't come up and in that is, And that is why she chose a white as her keeper and not a red, like usually tradition would be. Yeah. Because she it is knew that somewhat of a tradition though that reds don't pick reds because they usually come to power under less than ideal circumstances. No, I think she said she's the. I thought she said she was. She has been red. the first in several years or several hundred years because the last red to do it nearly brought the tower to its knees. And I thought she said that the last red that was on the Amerlin throne seat uh, did pick a red as her keeper. Yeah. So she is the first. Yeah, okay. Person yeah. I guess, to not, I guess that is true. Not pick. Her own color. Yeah. For her keeper. We've said the word Amarillin several times, and it's reminding me. I, I've been leafing through the, the origins of the Wheel of Time, and there is a, a bit about Amarillin. Actually, it's about Tamerlin, which is an old term. But apparently, Amarillin, a Merlin. Ah. So it's another one of those fun linguistic things, the Wheel of Time. 
Now that I actually own the companion, or the, the Origins, I don't own the companion. I need to get it. I can dole out fun facts. Fun facts? Yeah. I know some nutty stuff now. Someone can do something, and you wouldn't expect it of them. Should we possibly think about making that a recurring segment? Maybe. We'll see. We've gotten our fun fact of... We've gotten our fun fact of the episode. <laughs> Next time, different fun fact. The problem is, though, a lot of them are very spoilery. Well, that's why you got to pick ones that that's don't true. spoiler anything that well, aren't spoilers. One of the first things the companion says is, this is a full spoilers book. <laughs> it's impossible to talk about some of this stuff without it. Yeah. So... Anyway, that, that that's just about covers everything. Yeah, I it's, think... We went from nothing in the previous episode to so happened. much, so many things, and very few of them good. Yeah, nothing really good happens in this section. Yeah. The only, like, good thing that happens is Morghese gets out of Robin's thumb. And even then, that's, like, it's good, but also, like, now Morghese has to, like, come to terms with what happened. Yeah. And yikes. Well... Let's do some recurring segments, though. Weird prophetic auras. We talked about the two dreams. Yeah, and I don't think we haven't learned anything from them. No. We've got, like, we had the two dreams. Those, those are new mm-hmm. visions and shit, but nothing has been, like, a confirmed. Fair enough. Like, when Matt got the dagger, his vision of a dagger, that that's what that was. Yeah. Men's visions tend to be a lot more straightforward than... Egwene's dreams, or even, like, the answers from the Finn. Yeah, Egwene's dreams tend to be a little... And Perrin's as well, because Perrin sometimes Yeah, it's, I, I, I don't think Wolf Brothers are exactly dreamers, but they're similar. Theirs, I always find interesting, because it does have elements of men's visions in them as well, which makes me think that they are also visions. Yeah. If we've got an element of a vision of someone else... Well, they could be kind of convergent evolution. You know, they could be two different things getting at the same point. That's possible. Yeah. There really aren't any updates. We get the two. Two Rivers and Doom and Matt rolling dice with blood running down his face. Yep. What about ship updates? Not really, other than Nynaeve did not get on a ship to go to where they're going. No. And no. please stop trying to sleep with Tom, Elaine. Yeah. Anti-ship. Anti-ship? Sink the ship. I would like to sink that ship. Yes. Please. Are there... Budding ships? You you were saying something about Morghese and Gareth Bryn? I would like them to have... I would like them to reunite. Okay. And I would like them to be able to go back to how okay. things were before Robin went and mucked everything up. Okay. And, and we do have Talonvor lurking around with undying devotion. Land levels of devotion. I don't ship it for the same reason I do not ship Moraine and Land. I would okay. like it. You want it like a warder relationship. I want it to be more like a warder relationship and not like okay. Alana and her warders <laughs> who are all in love. And that makes me very happy. Okay. But Lan and Moraine are not in love. Okay. And so I would like to see this devotion that Talonvar has stay pure, if that, like, or okay, not pure, but platonic and... You want him to be like a dedicated knight. Yes. Yeah. He... Like a literal knight in shining armor. Yes. Cool. I don't want him to get together with more gays. I do think he deserves love, but that's just because I love him. Yeah. I love great. him now, and he deserves all the love and <laughs> happiness in the world. Sure. Just not with more gays. Not with more gays. I don't really care who. I just want him to be happy. Okay. Cool. What was your favorite moment? I think it's Talonvor. 
I think it is also Talonmore in uh, like if it's the story that Lenny tells about Talonmore. Yeah, it just got me. Yeah, and I. That, it's a very nice, like super minor character. Like, like he is a minor character in Morghese's story, who is also a minor character. Right, and the, again, this is why I love the Wheel of Time. Right, you get little things like this that just add so much depth to the characters. Like. Who the fuck is Talon, Guardsman Lieutenant Talonvor compared to Randall Thor, Dragon Reborn? He's nobody, but he's also so important. But he's the best. Right. It's great. That's why I love this series. Because, like, they just the world is alive. Yeah. Things happen regardless of whether or not you're looking at them. It's great. This was chapters 15 through 19 of The Fires of Heaven. Next episode, two weeks from now... We will be reading chapters 20 through 26. Bye. Bye.